Hi, welcome to the Brock Lurie Show and Podcast. Uh, all right, so I feel because of the changes in the times that I need to introduce myself correctly. So my name is Brock Lurie. I am um, a white Caucasian male. Uh, I prefer the pronoun zh, and I, I want you to please use that pronoun with that exact same intonation and also the speed with which I spoke, uh, because otherwise I'll be extremely offended. Uh, so please keep that in mind. Ari, would you please introduce yourself? Okay, here. My name is Ari David, and I am a Negro. Okay. All right, thank you very much. Any pronouns that you would prefer? Um, yes. My pronoun is... Okay. Oh, there's also some tongue clicking there, too. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's important. And very I, cultural. Okay. The good news is that we have recorded this podcast, and to the extent that people uh, may forget that unusual pronunciation, and please, I do not mean any offense by saying that's unusual. I know that you, you treasure it. Uh, I honor it. And the good news is because it's recorded, um, our listeners, our dear listeners, whom we love so much and treasure as well, uh, they can replay this over and over again until they get it right. Okay? That's, well, that's all we're asking. You talked about that they're treasuring, but the question I have and what's most important to me is, are they going to celebrate us? Because I want to be celebrated. All right, let's, uh, that's enough about that. Let's, let, let us do celebrate one, other, one, one major event that had happened recently, and that is the Virginia election for governor and for lieutenant governor and, I believe, for district attorney and uh, the House of Delegates. That's what they call, I guess, their version of the assembly uh, in Virginia, which now has a, a very strong majority of Republicans. Uh, in addition to a tremendous number of successful gains among Republicans in other areas, uh, from a, even even the New Jersey race, which he might have even won, he might have no, even no, won. No, forget the thieving aside. Even with the thieving, which is obviously going on, the Republican might actually walk with us. We don't know yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's true. We don't know for sure right now. But even so, even assuming that he uh, he, he will have lost and, and everything else, the fact that it was so close a race uh, really sends massive signals to the Democrat Party. Now, I, I don't want to just relay the fact that everyone knows. Everyone knows that the Republicans did very well uh, on the evening of what was it, November 2nd? Yeah. Um, that's great. But what's more interesting to me, and I think to our listeners, is to, you know, what it means, and also uh, what it means within the Democrat Party, and, and what we can learn from this. Because to me, Ari, it is shocking, and I'm going to use that word shocking, that you would have to wait for this kind of result before you realized, as a Democrat leader, that people don't like this massive flood of uh, immigrants on the border, that people don't want their children to be learning about anal sex in fourth grade. That yeah, That's right. That's a third grade. Okay. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's more of a third grade <laughs> thing, please. Um, so that, that's the key thing. So uh, that, that people don't want hyperinflation, that people uh, do want to, to keep China at bay, that, that that uh, the people don't want these massive taxes and this massive infrastructure bill. They, they, they don't want that. They just don't. And you have to wait until you see it from the Virginia election. This, this was obvious to, to both of us. Even if, 
uh, what's his name, the guy who won, uh, Glenn uh, Youngkin, even had he just come close as the New Jersey governor race was, uh, it, it would still have sent shockwaves and should have. But thankfully, he won Youngkin uh, by a good margin. But the point is that uh, that you have to wait for that, really? This is, you, I mean, I guess I'm glad that they are now seeing it, but I, th- I think it's absurd that they would have to wait for that kind of moment for them to realize that. Do you, do you really do you really think that parents like it when you tell them that uh, their education is not something in, in their domain that they, they have no business as to what the school teaches them that their children? Do you, do you really think that they're okay with boys dressing up as girls and going into locker rooms and bathrooms and, and possibly raping? And in the, one, in the one case with that uh, father and, and daughter, what a horrific story that was. You really think we're okay with that? That we just, okay, well, whatever you guys say, I mean, you're the government, you know best. You really think we think that way? That's the point I want to bring up because I'm fascinated how they could possibly think that. Now, I think I have an answer for that because it is, um, you know, people use the word or phrase tone deaf a lot. I don't know that that really describes it. I just, I don't think they see reality, Ari. They just don't. Even Nancy Pelosi, for example, we, we were talking before about how uh, this infrastructure bill, that they would uh, be very concerned about its passage if Virginia went the way that they didn't want it to go, meaning the Democrats. You know, maybe uh, congressmen and congresswomen out there will uh, be very uh, hesitant. Talk about vaccine hesitant, right? They'll, they'll be infrastructure hesitant uh, to pursue a yes on that infrastructure bill or to back Pelosi uh, on this bill, or Biden for that matter, because, you know, frankly, they're concerned about their own reelection chances. And this uh, Virginia result sent them a massive signal that they shouldn't do that. So I, I think it does. And I know the Democrats do. Uh, I know that you do too. And everyone knows. But not Nancy Pelosi. No, no, no. She expects everyone to go along. And she says, we're going full hog on this thing, the infrastructure bill. And this is not going to impact our uh, enthusiasm or our momentum to go forward with the infrastructure bill. If anything, we want to go more whole hog on this because, you know, by golly, we have nothing else. So we want to claim some sort of victory, uh, a victory which has so far eluded us uh, entirely. So this is, a, this is the strange domain of, uh, of the left. I do think that Nancy Pelosi really believes that this means nothing. Well, it's, to her, it does mean nothing. You know, you, you, you sort of came at this with a, a sort of an interesting uh, choice of words. Did it really take them the, the, the election result to see that they were on a wrong political track? Well, yeah, if you're going by the standard political observation of... I want to remain popular for my best chance at re-election. Clearly, these people don't function that way. They they're playing in a different. They're playing a different game. As we've talked about over the years, we've done this uh, podcast. You've um, you know we've pointed out time and again where you know we think that the game has to do with basic politics, but it doesn't. There's something bigger at play here. Something much more ideological. So, and and I will point to pass as being prologue of this. This is a simple uh, uh, refrain of of history. So, for instance, in 2008, Barack Obama gets elected. 
Can, can we agree? Just to say Obama, please. Thank you. In 2000, uh, in early 2009, he takes office, and his first uh, bills were the porculus and the uh, stimulus <laughs> bills, if you remember those. One was a massive bailout of American, um, uh, uh, if you remember the word, you know how we have the term, with rescue you know in it, right? This, this term of art called essential worker from the last year. What was the equivalent of that? You remember G, bailing out GM or other? Well, they're too big to fail. That was the equivalent of essential worker in that day and age. So first came this porculus bill that bailed out these institutions that really needed to suffer some economic pain so they stopped operating in such a reckless way and uh, like big banks and uh, you know investment firms and GM at the time and then came the stimulus bill where they spent a trillion dollars on the if you will shovel rating jobs i know i sound like i'm giving a long history lesson but you'll see this how this plays out in a moment well then came in November of 2009, the exact same election cycle we just saw. New Jersey and Virginia had their gubernatorial elections. And there were both blue states that voted for Obama. And New Jersey elected Chris Christie and Virginia elected Bob McDonald. And all the pundits said, wow, this is a big red flag for Democrats. They better see what's coming. How did Pelosi respond? She passed Obamacare about eight to ten weeks later in the House. Then they passed it in the Senate using those weird committee rules. Then they used reconciliation, and then came March 2010, and she made that march through the crowd with the big gavel with screams of racism and then rubbed our nose in it and passed Obamacare. Yeah. They then suffered a massive electoral defeat, the shellacking, as Obama called it, in the 2008 elections, but they didn't care. They wanted their big government overhaul more than they wanted their electoral I, 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 victory. I know, I know. And, so, and if you see how they got to where they are today, they're confident in 10 years they'll be back in power, I know. this okay. time with the big restructuring. Yeah, yeah. So they see their opening and they take it. And this is the only time that they will be able to do it is this year. I mean, literally, exactly a year from now, uh, there will be the 2022 elections. Therefore, they have one year to pass this massive infrastructure bill. And this is their moment. And they don't care that signals are being sent throughout the nation that the country just doesn't want this crap. They don't care. They do care about taking whatever advantage they have to push forward. Now, in the old days, uh, since you brought up Obamacare, uh, and I think your comparison is a really good one. By the way, I'm, I've never been so turned on as when you pursue your you know, historical facts and present them like that. I, I just want you to know I'm really turned on right now. I have more. Would you like me to unpack my portfolio? All right, all right. This is getting a little too racy here. But the point is that your, your comparison is a good comparison, uh, the, the Obamacare stuff. Now, interestingly, at, at the very least... Although they only paid lip service to it, they still paid lip service to the notion of bipartisanship, right, back then in Obamacare, right? Well, they're desperate to get a Republican to be on board. They didn't get one, but nevertheless, they, they tried to make that happen. Well, they this got, in Obamacare, it's interesting about that, they got one. Remember, some, like, lame duck guy out of Louisiana okay. no one ever heard of. All right, never mind. So they made a huge deal out of it. I know, I know. Okay, so... Anyway, they, they, want, they wanted so desperately to have bipartisanship. And my point is that this time around with the uh, infrastructure, so-called infrastructure bill, it, it's, they, have, they make no pretense. There's not even lip service to the effort for bipartisanship. Nor do they think about the possibility that even if they manage to get this ramrod through, 
that uh, possibly in the year 2022, and that's coming up, and these congressmen get installed in office very quickly, uh, they may very well decide to repeal this infrastructure bill because it's supposed to be over 10 well, years, blah, blah, they, blah. They also know with, with the likes of Mitch McConnell and like the McCain t- situation that happened with the repeal of Obamacare and finger quotes, that that'll never happen either. Okay. You know? but, um, I, look, I understand that, but all the same, uh, that's a, a threat that they should worry about. Now, from their point of view, I agree. They'll say, look, we don't care what the future holds. We just we just got to get it in now and at least kind of lay claim to the ground and then worry about uh, who has rights to the ground later, right? The same thing with uh, what they did in the 2020 election. They cheated massively. I have no doubt about that uh, based upon the probabilities and all the crazy anomalies and so forth. And then they said, look, you know, maybe it'll be pointed out, maybe it won't, but we'll, we'll be um, in possession. And then good luck for you to try to unwind it. And we'll make you look crazy for trying to unwind it. And that's exactly what they, they try to parlay. So anyway, the point is, I, all of this that I'm talking about, the Virginia election and everything else, for we Republicans, we conservatives in particular, we see this and say, okay, now, now do you Democrats see what's what? Do you get it now? And I got to tell you, at least among the, the far lefties, they do not get it. They, they instead decide that the reason why the Virginia governor won, Youngkin, um, that the governor-elect, is because of racism, uh, because the voters are not informed, uh, that they're greedy, or whatever, okay? So, and never do they take the message about the, the possibility, the very real possibility, that the voters just don't want to buy your wares. That's it. They don't, they don't entertain that as a possibility at all, Ari. And, and that's okay. I mean, I, I fully expect that. But it's, it's really an interesting study about the, the leftist mind is that they see all of this other stuff as noise, as, a, as an obstacle, yes, but not an obstacle that you can learn from. Okay, like if, if, if I wanted to go to a restaurant across town, let's say, I might very well, you know, run into some sort of uh, work construction, uh, uh, you know, uh, issues on the road. And there'll be all sorts of pylons and, and otherwise on the road. Well, do I go back home because of that? No, I, I simply wait my turn. And maybe a two-lane highway is now turning into a one-lane highway for the time being because of the work. It's an obstacle, but I still kind of go through it. And that's the way the Democrats, I think, perceive the Virginia results. And for that matter, all the other results that we're seeing, all these signals that are being sent from the nation, they just see it as, you know, a temporary obstacle. We just got to go around it and uh, we can ignore it. And you don't think twice about it after you pass the construction scene, right? Do you think about it at all? No. You might say I was late because there was some construction, but that's it. That's it. They still want to get to... To the restaurant. They, they still want to go from point A to point B. And their point B is this massive infrastructure bill. It's a madness, uh, you know, format. It's a, a massive bill and a bill of madness. I mean, I guess I should be more clear here. But, but there you go. It's all noise to them. And they quickly move to distract you from the noise, right? The first thing that Biden did uh, I, I believe the very next day is to talk about COVID yet again, because there's always an ability to talk about COVID. And I think he was talking about how great it was that they're going to be available to, that the vaccine was going to be available to uh, kids as young as five years old. 
and won't this be great? And he didn't mention a thing about Virginia. And then they wound up this morning mandating uh, the workplace situation. They they unroll they unpacked in writing the actual rules they're going to impose on people, yeah. which are psychotic if you're in a bad economy. Right. As far as a regulatory regime in one area of life. Well, why don't we describe a little bit more? Because I, I just got the news flashed right now, but I, I didn't uh, delve deeply into it. Tell me about the basics of it. Okay. Uh, apparently, on January 4th, any employee who isn't fully vaccinated. So what that means is, including any booster shots that come up, right? So it's not a one-time thing. It's, it's in perpetuity, increasing forever. Uh, they'll have to get, become vaccinated for uh, Fauci's creation. And if they, you're actually required to get it by December 15th so you can present evidence of it with the two-week delay in, of effectiveness, according to them, by January 4th, for certain sectors there will be testing uh, alternatives where you will have to pay for the testing weekly out of your own pocket and take your own time to do it. Uh, if you go the testing route, you have to, rather than the vaccination route, you will have to wear a mask at all times in the workplace, both indoors and out, which makes you look like a pariah. Uh, my own analysis of it is like in uh, September, October, November. As we are closer to the date, they'll probably push the date back again because strategically there's a little, you know, just inside baseball, my own analysis of it. They're probably just trying to get as many people to vaccinate themselves out of the perception that this is com actually coming down the pike. And then when it actually gets there, they'll delay again, delay again, delay again okay. kind of thing. But it, they, they're trying to create the pariah situation where anyone who doesn't comply with this has to walk around looking like a fool. Okay, so uh, first of all, you know, I've always, said, I've always said this, the more they try to mandate it, the more suspicious I am of the vaccine itself. Uh, but that's, that's one thing. But secondly, uh, and I guess more of a question for you, Ari, uh, do we know uh, to whom this is going to apply to all employees? For example, I, I have a fairly small law firm. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, so I have a fairly, a fairly small law firm where, you know, a few, a few employees. So does it, does it apply to the, I don't know, the fruit stand vendor for that matter? I mean, now you just said 100 employees? Yeah, according to them, 100 employees and up, which is about 84 million workers or about two-thirds of the American workforce. All right, so I, I get it. That's um, pretty bold and ballsy and totally inappropriate to, to move forward with such a thing. But, but there you have it. I mean, these people, this, they, they'll stop at nothing. Uh, they, know, they know that the vaccine doesn't have the effectiveness that they had claims, right? They, they, you could still get the COVID, apparently. You can still go to the hospital, apparently. You can still die from it, apparently. And you can still spread it to others, apparently. So other than that, uh, it's a great vaccine, right? I mean... But they, they lied just a few months ago. They, they said that this is 90% effective. And when I hear that word, it means that, you know, gosh golly, you don't have to worry about COVID anymore. And we don't have to wear these stupid masks anymore. Or at least the, vac the vaccinated don't have to worry about it. And uh, isn't that great? But no, they, they didn't say, uh, by the way, this is a different kind of vaccine or a different kind of drug. They didn't say uh, that this is just like the smallpox uh, virus. or anything. You know, you would expect... Uh, vaccine, you would expect them to say that, but they, they made you think that it's the same. But what they should have said is, okay, this is a different kind of cure. Uh, this is a kind of cure that may appear to not be a cure at all. 
Uh, so while we'll, we're saying it's effective, you can still die from it. So, but please take it anyway. And had they said that, I think that the whole dynamic would have changed. But people are just going along with the, the, the new narratives of it as it's rapidly changing all the time. Really. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a constant moving target. Constantly. And you can, you can never, that, what, what is the expression there? Keep on moving the goalposts, right? That's what it is. And that's a, that's a problem. That's a problem for the left, and it always will be a, a problem for the left because that's what they have to do. Nothing, the climate change is such a great example. They went from global cooling to global warming to climate change. Uh, and then, of course, then they changed the date by which the earth is going to end. Um, and same thing with overpopulation scare, same thing with the AIDS uh, crisis, uh, that, you know, the, the so-called you know, heterosexual AIDS in America that was going to be a massive problem. And now here we are with COVID, too. You know, they, it was all a big lie. Uh, you know, it was all premised on a, on a big lie that forget, Neil Ferguson, that was the name of the guy in England. He, he proposed that by the August of 2020, so that's already more than a year ago, in America, there would be more than 2 million deaths as a result of this COVID thing. Well, at that point, there was, I think, only, and I, I hate to put that in quotes, and every life is precious, I think about 200,000. So it was, he, he was off by a factor of 10. Uh, and likewise, in England, he was totally off. But because of that scare, that's the reason why we, we went to total shutdown. It was based upon nothing. And here we are. So, but the narrative changed. And just like the flatten the curve crap changed, everything is changing. And, and the left keeps on changing. The infrastructure bill, everything will change about that. Uh, and then the whole thing about you have to pass the bill so that we know what's in it. Uh, what is this? Like a, like a present? Like Santa Claus is going to deliver us a present and we're going we're gonna to see what it is once we open it? Is that, is that the way that they approach these things? No, the, there is sort of another aspect about this that's curious. The first is the distractibility factor of it, which is this, this policy is essentially useless. Because if you just look at the vaccination numbers as they are right now, we're at hum, um, herd immunity based on vaccines and the natural immunity, if the vaccine worked, as you said, 95%. In fact, if the reason there's still outbreaks is because it doesn't. It's been a lot. You've already covered that. But instead of addressing the issue that is the issue of, wait a minute, our policies are not popular with the voters, let's sell a new slate or convince our own people to modify, uh, moderate, whatever you want to say, triangulate third way, as Clinton would say. Instead, it's a double down of the existing policy with a side order of distraction, which is an obscene government overreach into our civil liberties to get us talking and fighting about that. Ignoring over here the infrastructure thing. And it's exactly like I said earlier that they did with Obamacare. I do want to point out a couple slight differences with the Obamacare 2009-2010 era that are kind of interesting to me, and I think maybe it'll rekindle the memory for you and see what you thought of it. When Obama got elected, it was an overwhelming victory against McCain. It was not in question, okay? I mean, it was a rout. I mean, <laughs> McCain, my friend, my friend, my friend. The uh, Biden-Trump election was very close, it, it, let's just a uh, grain of salt that uh, as if it's a uh, legit election. But either way, it's close. Okay. 
So Biden squeaks by the, by the skin of teeth. Obama wins an overwhelming, if you will, mandate, a popular mandate to, hey, have that, govern. He also had 60 senators with you throw in the, uh, the Al Franken race. Okay, 60. That's a veto-proof majority right there with one party. Uh, in this case, 50-50. And, of course, Pelosi had an overwhelming or added to her large majority of Democrats in Congress at the time that she gained in the 2006-2007 cycle. So going into the Obamacare passage, the Democrats and the media at least had the idea going, hey, Obama's a popular president. He's the king of cool. Everyone likes him. He won a big majority. Even if these uh, you know, Virginia and uh, New Jersey things, they're anomalies against the popular direction of the overall country. They at least had that going for them as an argument to make into Obamacare. None of that exists today. Yeah. You would you would think just based on just the political chess game and you like chess thinking that one would be uh, it would easily you know turn around the board and look at the other side if they would do that and go you know what we're really lucky to be here at all maybe we should just lay low for a while before we try to piss people off oh, I know I know but they they want to make the impression I mean look my my dad used to say that the worst kind of lie is the lie where you lie to yourself. And the Democrats are now lying to themselves. We all see it. Um, it, it it's like any con man. They, they insist that everything is great for themselves, that they've done everything right. But they've lied. And now they're lying to themselves. That The, 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 the analysis and the way things have played out, well, it was exactly legitimate and everything, nothing was wrong about what they did and they're wonderful people. Uh, same thing here. That's exactly what we're saying. I think that certainly the leadership, whether it's the squad or Pelosi uh, or Chuck Schumer, all those bad boys, they, they all believe that this Virginia stuff is all nonsense. It'll kind of fade away in the distance, distant history. Yeah, yeah, sure, it's a blip, it's a blip, but that's just Virginia. Never, never worry about that. It's, uh, you know, Virginians are different people. And so as if, as if somehow that's 150th of the nation, right? That's, that's 150th of their concern, therefore. So that, I think that's the way they think. It's fascinating. Uh, going back to distractions, that's why they focus on these distractions, because they want the narrative to start building up on other stories. So to your, to your point about, for example, immigration, this huge cluster F on the southern border, uh, the, the, that cluster F is so bad that they had to have a distraction. And you'll recall there was a story about the Border Patrol agent who supposedly whipped uh, one of the Haitian uh, immigrants. And that was the whole story. And we are going to investigate this and everything else. Never mind, they're not going to investigate at all what's going on in the border itself. And they want to make sure that nobody sees what's going on at the border. And they actually uh, force people to not, not fly over it. And, and remember that story. So that they don't want to be shown. But look... It's, it's very interesting, just for example, that in 2016, as you'll recall, the major issue that Trump ran on uh, against not only Hillary Clinton, but also his fellow Republicans during the primaries was immigration. He said, we've got a massive problem. And we, I, I plan, I, Donald Trump, plan to address that. And I'm going to address it by building a wall. I'm going to have the Mexicans pay for it and all that stuff, you know, whatever. But he did it. And he was so appreciated for it, Right. Now we're going to have, in 2022, the same issue. 
It's, re- it's fascinating, and, and they won't know it. They will not see the massive tidal wave, tidal wave that they themselves have created. They've been so tone deaf or blind to the issue. An interesting footnote or an addendum to that point is the following. The Hispanic vote went as a landslide to the GOP in both New Jersey and Virginia. And these are the people, I think this is where your point about them lying to themselves is so prescient. They've been telling themselves, if we import these voters, they will generationally vote for us in perpetuity. Right. We, we got a right. lock on them, like Lyndon Johnson said about blacks right. in, uh, in the 60s. Yes. Uh-oh, wait a minute. Wait a There are all these amazing quotes on Citizen Free Press, uh, Breitbart, Gateway Pundit this week, of some Hispanics who were interviewed after voting, who gave answers in Spanish. So they voted in Spanish. Totally polycore, you know, multicult to the max. And they're saying, you know, in Spanish, the economy sucks. Inflation is out of control, like in the countries we came from, and we did not want that to be part of the American dream. Right. And not only that, but he said that Biden, that Biden actually made me a Republican. Yes. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really fascinating. Well, and the I, immigration... I say something okay. with a Hispanic accent. Rusi, we have a problem. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know if that'll be on the editing room floor at some point. But anyway, I, look... It, it is, it is uh, you know, we, we, we do we definitely have a problem here because, and, and the, even the Democrat Party knows this, Ari, because they seem to understand there are Hispanics and there are Hispanics. And there's one group of Hispanics, as you know, uh, they come from a little island called Cuba. And they don't like those Hispanics to come in. They, they are happy to enforce the border, as it were. Uh, from Cuba, that they, they are all Johnny on the spot and Johnny law enforcement right. when it comes to the Cubans. But when it comes to Mexicans or anybody that they perceive to be Democrat friendly, uh, come on in, guys. Uh, you're racist if you don't let them in. They love using the Atlantic Ocean and the Caribbean Sea as a wall. <laughs> we'll just yeah, that's probably that. true. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's, yeah, that is very convenient for them. And it's, I guess, easy to patrol in that sense. But they, they know better. Everyone knows that they know better, too, because, look, we, we had, if it weren't for Trump, let's put it this way, had we not had Trump, the Biden administration, and for the matter of the Democrat leadership right now, could parlay a lie that, gosh, you know what, we just don't have the manpower, the resources to be able to take over. What are we going to do, build a huge wall or something? We can't do that. It's just too expensive. So, you know, they would, they would have us believe that, you know, well, this is just a growing problem and, you know, we're doing what we can. But that's not the case because there was a man named Donald Trump as our president and he showed how to do it. He showed about, he actually built a wall for one thing. He had the stay in Mexico policy and otherwise had aggressive policies to make, to ensure that those who had tried to slip in didn't slip in. And it was massively successful. So what the American population did see is a, a new administration come in and not only not follow what the Trump administration had already shown to be successful, but actively destroyed it actively undid it, reversing the stay in Mexico policy, uh, refusing to build any more of the wall, despite plenty of money being available to do so. 
I mean, I don't want, I don't want to get sidetracked on it, but here is this infrastructure bill that they present, which they want to be, what, $5 trillion total, and not a penny of it seems to be devoted to border security, right? Infrastructure. You would think that it would be a major part of the infrastructure to, to pr protect the porous walls, but we know it's really up. And, and the point is that I think the nation and even many Democrats see what's up, and, and they, don't, they don't want to see that the American people see. It's more convenient for them to not believe it, and they, they literally believe themselves that the American people will believe what they tell them to believe, and that is what fascinates me. Ari, that is the essence of this podcast. I want to, un I want to understand why somebody could think that, because at some point, you, you have to be able to say, look, you know, look, Charlie, uh, You've got body odor, and everyone's noticing that. You see how they're all fleeing from you? It's awful. And everyone's telling you at the same time, no, I don't. I, I don't have that at all. And people love me, in fact. And, and I'll tell them that I have great body odor. And they're not even putting on perfume or cologne to disguise the body odor. This is what they're doing. So now, how is it? Because I really, I, I really do believe that... Like Charlie, the Democrat Party believes that they smell like roses, that they are wonderful people, and they, are wonderful, they have a wonderful agenda for the country, and, and that nobody will see it, that they were trying to actually destroy the country. Yeah. To that point, uh, Ilan Omar was quoted yesterday as saying, the problem with why they lost Virginia was because they didn't go far left enough. Uh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Mrs. Omar. Please bring, or should I say, call you Mrs. Brother Omar, because um, you married your brother. Uh, bring more of that on. Yes, I agree. Please do that. Because you want to see California go to Larry Elder in, uh, next year? Keep doing this. Well, of course. And this is the reason why they got Trump in the first place, is because yeah. they, they can continue to double down on these really aggressive and really ridiculous policies. I mean, I, I'm telling you, Democrats... People are not just scratching their heads, but they're, they're all saying this world has gone mad. We do not accept this anymore. It is absurd. I'm not going to play this game about, you know, every time I introduce myself, I have to say he, she, or whatever it is. Uh, I, I'm not going to start apologizing for America. I'm not going to say that my little white boy is, is a racist because he was born as a white boy and a misogynist and toxic masculinity and allowing boys into my girl's um, uh, locker room and, and bathrooms. You somehow think that that's acceptable to us, and, and it's not. It's, of course it's not. But they, they will keep on pushing this. What's, what they're trying to do is they are trying to destroy distinctions. They start off with a man-woman thing, but trust me, they will destroy it in many other ways as well. Uh, sexuality as well. Language. And language, for sure. And then, of course, uh, uh, the dress code, uh, the way people dress, attire, and, uh, and politics itself, and borders. and Everything is... is if there's one common theme among the Democrats, the liberals in general, is that they seek to divide, uh, on the one hand, create polarization, but more importantly, they seek to destroy distinctions. That's the key thing. Every single move that they make, you can see it as a, an effort to destroy one distinction or the other. Family, sexuality, man, woman, good and evil, right? crime and not crime, whatever, law enforcement, all of that stuff, and I have a big chapter in Atheism Kills about that, uh, 
That is the essence of the godless mind. The essence. God gave us distinctions and the left seeks to destroy them. It is so clear to me that is the essence of the difference between the left and the right. That's it. Anyway, friends, I, I have to tell you, I, it's very disturbing uh, the way things are happening, but Virginia is a signal. And you know what? Just like Ari said, I hope they double down on this. I hope they do, because if they were actually to be smart about that, they would say, okay, you know what? We've gone the wrong direction. Let's go more toward the right. Let's at least go to the center. Well, if they were smart, Something. If they were smart, they do what Clinton did it from after 94 yes, exactly. and triangulate. That's, exa- that's exactly what they would do, but they don't yeah. do that. Um, and instead, they continue going on and somehow thinking that we'll continue to be fooled. Like, we'll, we'll forget what happened in Virginia and, and New Jersey, for that matter, and Seattle and so many other places that simply showed an utter rejection of this new... A radical movement called uh, leftism and wokeism. That's, that's the difference. And the reason why they don't see it is because they don't see God. If you do not see God, you start believing in this kind of garbage. All right, friends, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.